Well, again, good morning. Welcome. Hey, where did my front row people go? <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca, for hanging down here with me. I appreciate it. Well, welcome, everyone. Glad that you're here. Um, as life goes along, do sometimes you not feel like joy? No joy. Joy? No joy. It's incredible how quickly our lives can swing to go from what we sense is joy to no joy. Uh, a, a husband and wife were out Christmas shopping, and they were at a mall, and she turned around, and as husbands are apt to do, he was gone. And so she, she calls him and says, hey, where are you? We got a lot to do. And he goes, do you remember that jewelry store that we went to about 12 years ago before we got married? And there was this diamond necklace there. And I said, I can't afford that necklace, but one day I'll buy it for you. Little tears start to come down her face. And she goes, yes, I remember. And he says, well, I'm at the gun store next door. <laughs> joy? No joy. Right? I mean, things quickly change in, our, change in our lives. This is the way most of us want to picture Christmas. Um, we we want to go from joy. We, we want these Christmas cards where we just show the world what a great day it is. But really, this is, this is what we really look like. Caroline, where are you? She left me. <laughs> I'm not able to change it. You think I can? Anyway, that's what we look like most of the time. This week was one of those kind of weeks in my life where I went from, you know, a, a joy to no joy. Hey, would you set this up for me, please? We're always trying something new. It never works. <laughs> um, to go from times of joy to, to no joy. So um, I, this is just me this week. I, I realized how much of my joy is based on external circumstances. And I know better, but it still jumps on me. Uh, everything was going great in my life. It seemed like things were going pretty well. Tuesday, uh, I'm... I got a, a notice about my, my daughter's tuition statement coming up, which was much higher because she's graduating, I have to take these tests, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, that's fine, I can handle it. Yeah, it's no big deal. Um, you know, one, one blow is not, fine, is not terrible. Then later that day, I, I get a call from um, another daughter who is, is sobbing on the phone, which is not the way any dad wants to be greeted. Kind of like, honey, take a, take a breath. What's going on? Dad, I'm standing by the side of the road. I totaled my car. And this is what it looked like. So I, 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 I didn't know what it looked like. She sent me a picture like an hour later, and I'm like, praise God, she's just alive. You know, you, you go, thank, thank the Lord. Um, she, she's fine, but... And, and, and other circumstances happen in my life throughout the week 
where it was like financial blow after financial blow. Have you ever had those weeks where it's just like, you know, I'm like, we can take it, we can take it. Oh, I'm not sure if we can take it. Wow, it's going to be a rough Christmas kind of thing. You know what I mean? So, and I want to say, not so, to, to, we all go through those times. And we all want to say, our joy is not dependent on circumstances. And then God shows us the flesh that's in our own heart. How many times we are dependent on the circumstances around us and it reveals the nature of our heart to us and it's usually not very it's usually not very pretty on the night that Jesus was born as you've already heard the angels come and they say do not be afraid for behold I bring you good tidings of what great joy which shall be to all people what is this great joy it's good tidings. It is the good news. It is the gospel that has been proclaimed to us. It should bring us great joy in our lives. The gospel brings joy. Now, some of you, uh, some of you love the Christmas story. There's this stupid movie years back, uh, Talladega Nights, um, Legend of Ricky Bobby. Will Ferrell played this NASCAR driver and made fun of really all of Alabama, uh, if you think about it. But um, in, it, in it, he prays, but he only prays to baby Jesus. He, he likes the baby Jesus. Baby Jesus brings him joy. And so whenever he prays, he prays to baby Jesus. And uh, the, we, we, we like baby Jesus. But the truth is this, as great as baby Jesus is, the gospel only becomes the gospel because of what baby Jesus grew up, his life, his death, his resurrection. It is that message. The, the angels brought the message of good news, which was great joy that what? A savior is born. Not just a baby is born, but a savior has been born. And so I want to look at uh, Corinthians this morning, a passage from Corinthians 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21, it says this. So, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. So we are, excuse me, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God. A wonderful passage. You may not think of this passage as a Christmas message, so to speak, but it is the Christmas message. It is the heart of Christ coming to us. I think the, the, the message of Christmas 
and the, the points about joy can be summarized in this passage. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So I, I want to I encourage you today with four truths about joy. Four truths about joy that will transcend circumstances, that will transcend situations. And listen, I know we've all got our stuff here today. We all came in today not just wandering in out of some vacuum, but, but life has been slapping us hard in the face. And if, we'll, we, it, and if we don't take faith seriously, we will be blown around by the circumstances and situations. And God tells us that we are to be a people who are joyful in all circumstances. How, how come? How can we be this joyful? Are we just total idiots? I mean, is that what God is asking for us to be stupid? You know, like to be joyful? I think it's just the opposite. It is to, it is to fly in the face of circumstances that we can, we can have joy. And here are the truths I think Paul is telling the Corinthian church. The first is this, the joy of the incarnation. The joy of the incarnation. For God was in Christ. For God was in Christ. We, we can't even get our heads around this truth that God was in Christ, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Theologians make up really fancy terms that we don't even understand. They call it the hypostatic union. <laughs> you know, I don't even know what that means. Well, we don't either, but it sounds really good to say that God was in Christ, that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Philip Yancey, in one of his books, talks about how God came to earth in the form of a man, and he, he calls it a daring raid by the forces of good into the heart and the domain of evil. The incarnation. Many times we, we don't get our heads around it and the church over many years, people over many years, ha have argued, could God be fully human? And, and Paul makes it absolutely clear, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully... Now, some of you may be saying, well, what does that matter to me if he was fully God and fully man? Listen, the gospel is only the gospel if Jesus was truly God and truly man. If he was lessened in any category of those two, then the gospel doesn't have the same weight. If he was not fully God then he was not truly holy. And, and it wasn't just a man that died on the cross. It was God who died on the cross. Only God could pay the penalty for our sins. At the same time, we have, we have one in heaven who knows us because he was like us. He is like us, even now. Author of Hebrews says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. I mean, think about that. Because God became a man, the man who is God went back to heaven 
and is there now, and he can fully sympathize. We have a high priest. We have one in heaven who is like us, who knows us. Now, some of you, well, he doesn't really know me. No, no, he knows you. And he knows he was tempted in every way, every way. So he knows this struggle that you're going through. He knows how easy it is for you to lose your joy. He loves you. And and the message is this. God is for you. God is for you. He loves you that much that he's, he's for you. The incarnation, it brings us joy. Second is the joy of relationship. You know, one thing is a theological truth. It's a reality that has implications in our life. But the second point about relationship, it it means we have, we are with him. For God was in Christ, the incarnation, reconciling the world to himself. The, The message of reconciliation is this. There's a relationship that is broken that needs to be made right. So the two parties who were together but are no longer together now can be together. They're reconciled, a relationship. And the the joy of Christmas is that Jesus came in order that we could have a relationship with God. We were at war with God. We were enemies of God, so to speak, according to the Bible, because of the sin of our lives. But, But Jesus came to make us right with him so that we can have a relationship with with God. It says in Ephesians. I'll find it. It says this. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were what? Far away from God. But now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Oh, my friends, if you don't get this truth that you've been brought near to God, Christianity will forever be just a religion to you. It will ever be just rules and regulations. It will ever be this distant God who you have heard about, you've read the stories about, but you don't know him. Jesus came to earth, fully God and fully man, so that we could be brought back into relationship with God. That we would know. For God so loved and dearly prized the world. Why? He, because we were out of relationship with him. That he sent his own son to die for us. So that we could have relationship. Paul says this. And by the way, think about Paul. He had a decent job, you know, as a teacher of the law and he 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 you know, it, it, there was good money in persecuting the church. He could travel, see the world, Help God out by taking those Christians out of the place until his life was transformed when he met Jesus. 
And then, for him, no more job security. He's on the persecuted side. Now he's still traveling the world preaching the gospel, but most of the time he does, people get mad at him. They start persecuting him. They start... But he could, in, in an epistle that is called the epistle of joy, Philippians, where he's under house arrest in Rome and he's been persecuted, he can still say everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Not knowing about Christ Jesus, my Lord, but knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it as all garbage, rubbish, refuse, so that I could gain Christ. The job I had, all the stuff before, the prestige, all that kind of stuff, garbage. Compared to what? Knowing Christ. That's why this letter is so filled with joy. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Paul is saying to us, have joy in your life. And how can you do it? Because I know Jesus. The truth of this is God is with you. That's the gospel. God came to earth so he could be with us. Third point is this, to know the joy of forgiveness. To know the joy of forgiveness. He goes on in this passage and says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Oh, the power of forgiveness. Let me tell you this. If you come to know Christ as the one who leads your life, he becomes the one who forgives your sins. Forgives your sins. Many people are struggling with the concept and the truth of forgiveness. Even followers of Jesus Christ that I've come across over the years. One of the things that that even within the context of the church is one of the greatest struggles has to do with forgiveness. People's inability to forgive themselves for something they did or their inability to forgive something that was done against them. And let me tell you, I could go around this room and have testimonies. There's not a person in this room who hasn't had stuff done against them. Now, we might measure, that was really, really bad, versus that was horrid. Well, that wasn't that bad. You should have been able to get over that. You know, it doesn't matter. It's still stuff done against us. And, and we need this gift of forgiveness because of our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. One of the leading humanists of the last generation, an author named Marganita Lasky, she died in 1988. She said, what I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have nobody to forgive me. We have a Savior who's been born, who went to the cross, wherever it went, there was a cross up here. I always point this direction, but my... Oh, it's right behind me. <laughs> Thanks, Wendy. <clears throat> Paul says this. When you are dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, 
God made you alive with Christ. This past, uh, he forgave us. He forgave us all our sins. Say all our sins. Listen, some of you are thinking, yeah, he forgave 99% of them, but there's these couple. You know, I've got the closet back here that are so bad, no one could. No, no, no. He forgives all your sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulation that was against us and stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Praise God. Your sins are forgiven. The joy that that should bring in our hearts that we are a forgiven people. So you may be saying to yourself, well, you know, what happens if I go out and screw up this afternoon or tomorrow or the next day? Listen, here's the great, this is why the gospel is not just such great news. It's unbelievable. You are forgiven past, present, future. You are forgiven. It's the grace message that overwhelms us. And I know the tricks of the conversation here. Well, does that mean I can live however I want? I can live it up and do whatever I want because God's got to forgive me. Listen, Paul faces this argument in Romans, and he says basically, heck no. That is not the way you think. But grace is still that good. You have been forgiven. Live forgiven. There's this uh, book that became a movie even before my generation, called Bridge Over the River Kwai. It was about a, a group of British soldiers who had been captured by uh, the Japanese in World War II, and they were building a bridge. And um, in, in the true story of the book, these soldiers, they, they come back from their work detail, and they come to this specific place where they have all their shovels counted. They've been out working, and the, their captors cap, count the shovel. And one of the, um, the officers of the enemy says to the, the soldiers, there's a shovel missing. If you don't come forward and tell us who the shovel is, I'm going to kill all of you. So one soldier steps forward and says, I took the shovel. His captor takes another shovel, picks it up, and beats him to death. They go to the next checkpoint. They... Do another shovel count. And what they find is they'd miscounted at the first shovel check. And word got around to all the soldiers, the POWs, that an innocent man had died for nothing. And in the book, it talks about how these soldiers... These POWs went from every man for himself, looking out for number one, um, not caring, just trying to survive, hating their enemies, to not only forgiving one another, but so much so that when, when um, the Japanese were overthrown and they came in and they were, were uh, going to kill the, the ones who were overseeing them, the prisoners stood in the way and said, no more hatred, forgiveness. Their lives were radically changed by the, the truth of forgiveness. How much more so have we been forgiven? We've been forgiven such a debt that we could never repay. It, it should bring us a, a change of mind, a change of heart, a, a change of activity, a, a change the way we look at 
ourselves and the people around us. We should have joy because God forgives us. He's forgiven you right where you sit. And don't let the devil keep bringing these lies to you like God couldn't forgive you. You've done something so bad that you can't be forgiven. God forgives you. He took the debt, nailed it to the cross, canceled, canceled it on your behalf. Which leads me to the final point, which is the joy of sharing. The joy of sharing. Again, look back at 2 Corinthians. He says this. For God was in Christ, the incarnation, reconciling the world to himself, relationship, no longer counting people's sins against them. You're forgiven. Now he gives you this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead Come back to God. Come back to God. Listen, one of the things that will rob you of joy is this sense that you have a purpose or destiny, but you aren't fulfilling it. And you may be saying to yourself, well, what is my purpose? We talk about this all the time. What is my destiny? Here, I want to give it to you in a nutshell. You are Christ's ambassadors. It's your full-time job. It's your number one job. When you go to the workplace, when you go to school, when you're in your home, when you're out in the marketplace, what is my job? Am I accountant? Am I a nurse? Am I a doctor? No, you're Christ's ambassadors. Everything else takes second place compared to that. Your job is to bring others into this relationship, this forgiveness that God offers in, in Christ. Paul, back in that Epistle of Joy says this. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel. We're in this together. We, not just me, we are Christ's ambassadors. We are doing this together. Here's incredible news. God entrusts you. It should bring joy to your life to know that God trusts you with this message of reconciliation. He loved the world so much, he sent his own son to die for us so that we could come back into relationship. Now he loves you so much and trusts you so much, he's given you this message. Last night I was watching, um, I was up late doing spiritual things. I was watching golf. There's a thing called the President's Cup. It was the U.S. against the world. And we went into, you know, it's, um, you know, Australia, it, it, it's a different time zone than us. <laughs> it's a whole different continent, you know, uh, way over there. So, like, last night when I'm watching, it's Sunday over there. So, they're playing these Sunday matches, and the U.S. came back and won, and yeah. Um, it was, but it was exciting. It was fun to watch, but it wasn't settled to the end. And the, the captain of the American team was Tiger Woods. And Tiger went out and played first, like there are 12 singles matches going on. 
I'm going to confuse you. I'm still trying to explain it to my wife, who was sitting there with me the whole time, the whole scoring system. Tiger goes out and plays, but he's also the captain. He wins his match, puts on his captain's hat, and now he's the captain of the rest of the team. They go out and win. They're interviewing him afterwards, and he said to the, his, they said to Tiger, what did you say to the, to the guys going into the day because you were behind? Um, you didn't look like you probably were going to win. What did you say to him? And he said, I just said this. Hey. I trust you. Go out and do it. I trust you. Go out and do it. I was watching also this week another spiritual highlight of my week. I was watching a, a thing called The Joy of Coaching. It was on Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. Sorry for all the sports references. But uh, they were being interviewed about, and both of them, they work together. They know each other well. And you'll see them on the sideline yelling the same thing at their players. Just do your job. Just do your job. And, and basically, they've trained them what to do, and now they're just saying to them, go out and do it. God is saying to you, I love you. I'm in relationship with you. I've forgiven you. I trust you. Just go out and do it. Just go do your job. The angels proclaimed, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. How are you going to regain the joy of Christmas? Listen, it's not by just working it up. It's not like by denying your circumstances. It's by walking through your circumstances with the confident realization that God is with you. What robs you of joy? One of the things is unmet expectations. You're expecting something that didn't come to pass. And God wants to say, look, I don't know what you're expecting, but this is the best. I'm with you. I love you. I have forgiven you. Everything else should pale in comparison. What else? Sometimes unrepentant sin will rob you of joy. Do you remember when David uh, falls into sin and he's confronted with his sin and he confesses before God? And what does he say? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Restore it to me. Sometimes unrepentant sin is a block for you to really walking in the joy of the Lord. Unresolved conflict. You know, your prayers can be hindered. If your relationship with your husband or your wife, I mean, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. But if you know there's conflict, see it resolved. It'll bring joy in your life. By the way, you know, the truth is some of the least joyful places on the planet are homes where marriages are apart, families are disintegrating, people are not. God says this to you. How is it possible that I've forgiven you of your sins and brought you into relationship with me and you can't get along with a brother or sister who's right in front of you, especially your spouse. 
It can't. John says this, if you say you love God whom you've not seen and don't love your brother, sister, husband, wife, you're a liar. The truth is not in you. Resolve the conflict. An unfulfilled destiny will rob you of joy. Thinking that you're always falling short. Listen, again, I just want to say this. God may have a lot of plans for your life, but ultimately your destiny is found in him when you are his ambassador. You're doing and representing him to the world around you. Represent him to your spouse. Represent him to your children. Represent him to your workplace. Represent him to your school. Wherever you go tomorrow, represent God. Represent. Represent. Represent him to the world around you. You are his ambassadors. Great theologian Charles Spurgeon said this, Rejoice you who feel that you are lost. Your Savior comes to seek and save you. Be of good cheer, you who are in prison, for he comes to set you free. You who are famished and ready to die, rejoice that he has consecrated for you a Bethlehem, a house of bread, and he has come to be the bread of life to your souls. Rejoice, O sinners everywhere, for the restorer of the castaways, the savior of the fallen, is born. Stand, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you today that this gospel is good news, which brings great joy. Lord, today, there are many of us here who have been, for whatever reason, robbed of the truth and the faith of joy. I pray that today we will rejoice because you know us, you're with us, you've forgiven us, you trust us, that those truths would bring joy to our lives. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us where we so many times have looked in some other way for joy whether it be finances, a position, a name. A relationship outside of you. Lord, today we, we confess we are yours. Thank you for bringing us into this wonderful relationship. Thank you for forgiving us. Lord, may we represent you well to the world around us. May we go out from this place being your ambassadors. Thank you, Lord. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or even imagine. According to his power that is at work within you. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Have a great day. Great day in the Lord.